0: Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you.
1: With God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word, reveal Jesus to me, fill me with the Holy Spirit, then send me out to share Christ with others so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you believe that sharing Christ with others is an important aspect of our walk with God. You know, Jesus never looked at a person and the ministry He had for them as a cul-de-sac ministry assignment. You know what a cul-de-sac is? It's just a dead end. He never looked at people that way. He always looked at people prophetically. In other words, He saw the potential in them and then He saw the potential that would flow through them. Not a cul-de-sac, but an open stream for God to flow into other people. As a matter of fact, um, that's where, where Joni's husband is this morning, Doug. Doug and Joni, he haven't told you. We're going to officially one day do it really well. But they're, they're elders for our Lakeshore family. In other words, they're maturing believers that are working alongside Yolanda and I. Praying for us, encouraging us, helping us, keeping me in check. Um, Making sure that we're doing everything we can for the health of our church family. So we've got different elders across all three of our campuses that our senior pastor has prayerfully selected. And Doug and Joni are elders for our Gastonia campus. Her husband has been ministering. They've been ministering to a man. He's 29 years old. They've been ministering to him. He's not saved, doesn't know Jesus. But the light of Jesus shines through their life, and he's curious, and he's asking questions. So today, Doug took him, went with him to a church service out by where they live, and he's already planned to connect him with all kinds of people from that church and introduce him to the pastor. Come on, when people come to Jesus, they need a good church, don't they? Amen. This is, this is so important, so just keep that in mind. Sharing Christ with others, we're going to get better at that, is such an important part of our walk with God. Well, listen, go ahead. Nehemiah chapter 8 um, I told you to get there. We've already done our declaration. Listen, real quickly, get a burden, make a move, stand your ground, experience the blessing. Those are the last four weeks that we've been on in this series. If you've missed them, I don't have time to go back, get to our podcast, get to Lakeshore Gastonia and catch up. I promise they will encourage you and they will challenge you in your walk with God. We've been on a series. We're still on it. It's called A Great Work laying hold of who God wants us to be and what God wants us to do, be and do. And the be comes before the doing. It always does. It flows from the being. And this series really has been about God using Nehemiah to lead his people in the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. Uh, God's people had been disobedient. They got out of alignment. God allowed them to be taken into captivity by King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian people. They were in captivity for many, many years. And then God moved prophetically through King Cyrus. He released them to go back to Jerusalem. And Nehemiah led a bunch of people in the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. And that was important because the walls around the city served as protection from the enemies. And they weren't going to be as vulnerable if they can get the walls back up. So kind of like that, Like God used Nehemiah, God is using us to do a great work, a great work, and that is to partner with Jesus in the building of his church, his house, his family, not necessarily the building, but the people. When Jesus said, I will build my church, you could put your name in there, what he was saying, I will build Amanda, I will build Mitch, I will build Lacey. I will build Heather and Mark. I will build them. I'm going to work in them. I'm going to build them up. I'm going to strengthen them. I'm going to encourage. I'm going to protect them. I'm going to put my spirit in them. And so when we go to work with Jesus in the building of his church, we're we're after a great work. Because people need a place where they can be cared for, where they can be loved, where they can be discipled, where they can grow as people of God. So today, we're starting part two of a great work. A great work, part two. And the subtitle is Spiritual Reform. Spiritual Reform. The book of Nehemiah is not just about rebuilding physical things like the temple or the house of God and the walls. Those were physical. But more importantly, the book of Nehemiah is about the spiritual reform and the spiritual renewal of God's people. Now, I want you to really tune into this because if you need a breakthrough, if you need to go further in life in your relationship with God, this message is for you. If you need a change for the better in your life, I believe this message is for you. If you need God to do something new in your life, spiritually, that's going to affect your everyday living, you and your family, I believe this message is for you. If you need a new level of faith, if you need a new level of hope, a new level of peace, I just believe with all my heart, I came this morning believing that this message is for you. You got to tune into this message. Nehemiah chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. Lean into it with me. All the people assembled with a unified purpose. Say unified purpose. Come on, unified purpose. At the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra, the scribe, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So they had a unified purpose, and that was to gather so that they could bring out the book of the law of Moses. I just want to make a note here, in case you don't know. Ezra was a priest, so we could say he was like a pastor, and he was a spiritual reformer that God used. A reformation is powerful. It's really bringing our lives into alignment with the Holy Spirit and the values of the Word of God so that God can do something new in your life to such a degree that it takes you in a deeper level in your walk with God. It impacts you And it impacts people around you. That's the kind of man that Ezra was. By the way, his name means the Lord has helped. Anybody needs God's help today? The Lord has helped. Now, it says that he was a scribe. In other words, it means that he was an expert in the words of the law of God. Or we could say he was an expert in the scriptures that they had. Ezra chapter uh, 7 verse 10 says this. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. And to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. Can you see his heart? He had a heart and he prepared it to seek the law of the Lord. To seek the scriptures. And not only to seek the scriptures, but to do what they said. And then God used him to begin to teach the scriptures to all of Israel. Now, I just want to make sure we're super clear. The law of Moses, the Old Testament scriptures, a lot of times that's referring to Genesis through Deuteronomy. I want to read something to you in my Bible. I have a study Bible, and it helps me study. And um, when it talks about the law, the law, the Hebrew word is Torah. Say it with me, Torah, T-O-R-A-H. Let me just read this to you. The Torah means instruction, teaching, direction, or precept. And this noun occurs 217 times in the Old Testament. Usually, Torah refers to the law of Moses or a portion of the law of Moses. Sometimes, Torah refers to the rules or the instructions of a human parent or of some other wise person. Now, the root word of Torah is the word Yara, Y-A-R-A-H. And it's important because it means to shoot or to cast down in a straight manner, to direct or to rain down. And the idea is that God's instructions to Israel, the Torah, were given to them In a straightforward, direct manner so that they can walk them out. For Israel, the new covenant, that's what we're in. The power of the Holy Spirit would cause the law, the Torah, to be written in their hearts. In other words, the Holy Spirit would give them, give us, the supernatural ability that they didn't have in the Old Testament... To not only hear the words of God, but to actually live them out through God's power. Can somebody say amen? That's the new covenant that we're in. So this is what it's referring to, the law of Moses. It's the Torah. It's the instruction that God gave Israel in a straightforward manner. End of explanation, verse 2. So on October 8th, Ezra, the priest, he brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men, notice this, the men and women, and all the children, old enough to understand. He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon, and read aloud to everyone who could understand. And let me add this, and nobody complained or fell asleep. Can I get an amen? All the people listened closely to the book of the law. Verse 4, Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform, We could call it a pulpit, some other translations do, that had been made for the occasion. To his right and his left, I'm not going to read their names, 13 other men as assistants were to his right and to his left. Verse 5, Ezra stood on the platform in full view of all the people. When they saw him open the book, for us we could say the Bible. When they saw him open the book, notice, they all rose to their feet. That caught me right there. There was a reverence for God and for His holy book, His word. And when Ezra the priest opened it up, they stood up because they knew they were about to hear from God. Come on, anybody willing to stand up when God speaks? Verse 6. Then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, Amen, Amen, as they lifted their hands. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, these were the assistants to the priests, all of them instructed the people in the law while everyone remained in their places. They read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read. Helping the people understand each passage. Can you see it? He's reading the passages from early in the morning until noon. And then all of the assistants were walking around in little small groups and huddling up. And maybe bringing clarification and explaining words. And you know, what what did God mean by this? And how does it apply to our lives? These people potentially haven't heard this for many years. Because they were in captivity. Some of them who grew up in captivity may have never heard the word of God read to them at all. And so they're bringing clarification. Verse 9. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this. Why do you think they were mourning and weeping? They were repentant. They saw where they got out of alignment with God. They compared what God was saying in his word to how they were living. And there was a godly sorrow that filled their heart. They were out of alignment and they knew it. And then they said, don't mourn or weep on such a day as this. Now you may not know unless you study this out, but they were celebrating the feast of trumpets. And it was a special time where they would end a harvest year by By sounding off a trumpet or a shofar and they would consecrate, they would give themselves to the God through special prayer and fasting and celebrating God's faithfulness and God's goodness. So it really was supposed to be a day of celebration and high praise. But when they read the scriptures, the spirit of God impacted them and they were mourning. He says, don't mourn for today's a sacred day before the Lord, your God. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks. And share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad. Come on, read this last part for me. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites too, they quieted the people telling them, Hush, don't weep. For this is a sacred day. Verse 12. So the people went away to eat and drink and have a festive meal to share gifts of food. Listen to this last part. And to celebrate with great joy because they heard God's words and understood them. Can somebody say amen? There's, there's something that happens when you hear God's words and you understand them the title of today's message, it's on the top, fill in the blank. Bring back the Bible. Come on, say it with me, church. Bring back the Bible. Pastor Robert, I didn't know the Bible was gone. I'm not saying the Bible's gone. I'm saying we need to bring it back into our lives like never before. And the subtitle to this message is, Stepping into Spiritual Reformation. See, we've got to bring the Bible back to the place that God meant for it. To be. Did you know that the scripture says that God has exalted His word together with His own name? You can't separate God's words from God. If you want to know who God is, if you want to know how God functions, if you want to know God's thoughts towards you, if you want to know the way God's character is, if you want to learn about God for your life, you can't do that apart from God's words. And so he says, I've exalted my word, the scriptures, the Bible, these 66 books. I've exalted it right there together with my name. My name and my word are inseparable. They're one, together. Three action steps we must take if we will experience spiritual reform. Remember, spiritual reform is something that the Holy Spirit and the Word of God do in you and then through you draws you closer to God, gives you a greater solidity in your relationship with God, begins to uh, uh shape you and mold you from the inside out at a new level, and you've made a decision. I want to step into this. I don't want to live in 2024 at the same level that I lived with God in 2023. Can somebody say amen? There's more in 24. He wants to do it in you. Three action steps. Now, these aren't three points. And these aren't three truths. These are three action steps. You know, action step. This is, see, the Word of God blesses me when I act on it. When I do it. Amen? It's good to hear it, but it's better to do it. Number one, here's our first action step. This is applicable to me. This is applicable to us, right, honey? We're not, we're not, we're not left out of this. We got to do this. Here's number one. I will give myself freshly and fully to the Word of God. Come on, say it with me, church. I will give myself freshly and fully to the Word of God. Freshly and fully. I thought we could just say fully, <clears throat> but there's something about the new year. There's something about freshly, like with, with a new hunger, with a, with a fresh thirst, with a, with a fresh desire. There's a fresh edge on it. It's new. It's not like before. I'm going to rearrange my schedule. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I keep God in there. I'm going to make sure that it's fresh. I'm not going to come just with the same old, same old. No, no, no. I'm going to stir myself up. I'm going to be excited. I'm going to plan it. I'm going to prepare for it. I'm going to come into it expecting to hear from God. It's going to be fresh. Not only fresh, but fully. Fully. What does fully look like for you? It might look a little different for you than for me. For example, if you're not reading your Bible at all right now out of seven days, Fully for you might be a goal of three days a week. That, that's fully for you. That's where you're at. And that's okay. But if I'm reading my Bible already seven days a week, fully for me might be two times a day. More consecrated time. More time in the Scriptures. Fully for you, if you're doing it three days a week already, it might be five days a week. And it might be now pulling in some commentaries and, and some other study material and, and some preachers of old who speak into the text. You're giving yourself fully in a fresh way to the Word of God. I love Psalm 119. Have you read it? 176 verses on the excellencies of the Scriptures. Psalm 119, 97. David said this. King David said this. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. It, your law, your words, your commandments, your statutes, your precepts, your instructions for my life. It is my meditation all the day. Catch this. He meditated the word of God because he loved it. The more he loved it, the more he meditated it. He meditated on the Word of God because he loved it. He thought on it because he loved it. And the more that he fell in love with it, the more that he meditated on it. The more that he gave his thoughts to it. This is how you give yourself freshly and fully to the Word of God. you got to cut time out. you got to go after it. you got to think on it. you got to pull it in. And I'll talk more about that. Look at Nehemiah 8, 2, and 3. We're still in Nehemiah. So on October eighth, Ezra, the priest... He brought the book of the law before the assembly, all the people, men, women, and children. Parents, let me ask you. Parents that are watching this on Facebook, let me ask you. I'm not bringing condemnation. I'm asking you, are you cutting time out during the week to read the words of God to your kids? Are you cutting time out during the week to sit with your kids and teach them how to read the word of God so they can hear it for themselves? Because if you let them play on video games all day long, they will. If you let them be consumed with all of the world stuff, they'll they'll do it. The thing that they need from you, parents, is they need for you to come along their side and teach them to read God's Word so that they can hear it and grow stronger in the Scriptures. Amen? It's so important. All the people were gathered together, men and women, and all the children, old enough to understand He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon. He read aloud to everyone who could understand. All the people listened closely to the book of the law. All the people listened closely. All the people listened closely. They tuned in. They were attentive to what he was saying. God's people in that moment were making a decision to bring back the Bible. Now, I know it wasn't the Bible like we have. It was probably the first five books of the law, Genesis through Deuteronomy. But there was a hunger. There was something there that was happening. And God was saying, you need to hear my words because my words bring life. How, how does that bring spiritual reform? Just reading the Bible or hearing the scriptures. How does that help my life? How does that flow through my life? Well, you have to remember, the Bible is not just a book. This isn't just another self-help book in, in, in the in the library or in the bookstore no 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 the bible is the living word of god the bible is the product of the breath of the spirit of god himself hebrews 4:12 says this for the word of god is alive and powerful come on somebody say alive come on alive and powerful it's powerful it is sharper than any two-edged sword Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That word sword is not a big sword like you would see a, a knight using. It was a little sword. It was called the makaira in the Greek. And it was something that was on a soldier's side. It might have been what Peter used to cut off the, the soldier's ear in the garden. And it was quick. It was yielding. It was sharp. Two edges. And it's saying, the Word of God does surgery on you and I spiritually, and helps us to discern how we're living. Are we living in the soul, with our flesh, with our humanness? Or are we learning to live in the spiritual realm and really depend on God and chew on God's word so that it brings us to the place where God wants us to get. It? He brings this spiritual surgery on us through His living word. It's spiritual. It's not just a book. Second Timothy 3:16. 17. Powerful. You probably know it. All Scripture is inspired by God. It means it's God-breathed. And is useful to teach us what is true. And to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're on wrong. And teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work work. Parents, do you ever wonder if your kids are alone and they're going to do what's right? Do you ever wonder if they're going to be protected from doing what's wrong? Listen, if you want to begin to really pour into them so that you don't have to be concerned about that, oh, teach them how to read the scriptures. Teach them how to pull in the Bible. Teach them how to chew on the words of God. Teach them that this book is God's special book. This is the very heart of God for their life. Adults, this is for us. We need this more than anything. It teaches us what is true. The enemy wants to do everything he can to deceive you. To get you to think that you can find and make your own way. That you'll be okay without God. You don't need the scriptures. That's a lie. The biggest plan the enemy has. I believe it's these two areas. He wants to keep you from being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to keep you from reading. And and just, just, just devouring the word of God. If he can keep you. Back from the fullness of the Holy Spirit, if He can keep you from feeding on God's Word, He'll deceive you and He'll have victory over your life. So you got to lean into this. Prepare now for 24. Don't wait till January 1st. Begin to ask God to help you now. Give you a hunger for His Word. See, we can't experience the new thing that God wants to do in us, this reform, without a steady stream Of God's word coming into our hearts. Spiritual reform is transformational. By the power of the Holy Spirit. And the word of God. And it leads us into a new level of life with God. Freshly and fully giving ourselves to the word of God. Will be a major step in that happening for your life. Can somebody say amen? Here's the second thing that I got to do. It's an action step. Number two. I will diligently seek To understand the Word of God. Come on, say it with me. I will diligently seek to understand the Word of God. Now, I don't remember. I don't think I can really remember. It's been 30 years. I can't really remember how difficult it was for me at the beginning. To, to understand the Bible. Like, what am I reading? How, what, how, how does this work, right? So I want to be very sensitive to some people who, who like, they have no framework at all for reading the Bible. Because there are some people in church who still don't read their Bible. The greatest thing that I can do for you as your pastor... is to lead you to a place where you learn how to become a self-feeder. If I can do that, the Holy Spirit will do something in you that will just blow your mind. So I just want to be sensitive. If you have no idea on how to begin to read your Bible, come this Wednesday so that I can show you, give you from steps at least. Because... God wants to bring to you an understanding of his word. He gets down to our level and he'll speak to us and teach to us in ways through his scriptures that we can understand so that we can live it out and we can experience the benefit from it. Look at Nehemiah 8.8. They, the leaders, read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read helping The people understand each passage. Understand means to discern. It means to perceive. It means to know with the mind and the heart and the spirit what God is saying. Every follower of Christ is to get to a place where they have a heart to read the scriptures with an understanding that comes from the Holy Spirit. This will be a blessing to you. It will be a strength to you. It will be so empowering to you. Pastor Robert, is is it just the Bible? You just want me to read the Bible? Why? Why? It brings such a power. Let me just tell you though, the Bible isn't just about learning how to live right. The Bible really is a book about Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, it's about Jesus. The more you read the Bible, and the more the Holy Spirit begins to unveil and unlock Jesus in the Scriptures, the more understanding, the more revelation you have. To follow Jesus. And to live with Jesus. Notice John. The book of John. Chapter 5 verse 39. Jesus said this. He said, You search the scriptures. For in them, you think you have eternal life. Now let me pause. He was talking to some religious leaders who were searching the scriptures. Obviously the law, the Torah. He's saying, You search the scriptures because in your searching the scriptures, you think you're going to find eternal life. Like Because you're doing it, because you're going after it, because you're obeying, you think you're going to find, you think that in and of themselves, the scriptures are going to give you eternal life. That's not true. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, These, the scriptures, are they, the scriptures which testify of me. You see the point? When we're reading the scriptures, when we're going after the word of God, what happens is the Holy Spirit begins to unveil Jesus. In the Old Testament, Jesus is concealed in shadows and in prophetic words. And, and, and there's like this prophetic snapshot. But in the New Testament, Jesus is revealed. And we see him. And we begin to understand how to live with him and live for him. Now, I want you to know this. The Greek word, translated search in John 5:39 you search the scriptures this signifies a strict close diligent examination or curious search the kind men make when they're seeking gold or hunters make when they're in pursuit of game we must not be content with giving a superficial glance To one or two verses. But with the candle of the Spirit. We must deliberately seek out to understand the meaning of the word. This is how you put action step number two into practice. You search. You seek. You examine. The Holy Scriptures require searching. Much of it can only be learned by careful study. There's a milk for babies. But there's also a meat for strong men and women of God. The person... Who merely skims the book of God. Will not pull everything from it. We must dig and mine until we obtain the treasure. The door of the word only opens to the key of diligence. The scriptures demand to be searched. They are the writings of God. Bearing His divine stamp. The word of God will repay your searching. It is full of surprises under the teaching of the Holy Spirit to the searching eye. It glows with the splendor of revelation, like a vast temple paved with gold and roofed with rubies, emeralds and all manner of gems. There's no merchandise like the merchandise of the scriptures. Finally, the scriptures revealed Jesus No more powerful motive can be urged upon Bible readers than this. He who finds Jesus finds life. He who finds Jesus finds heaven and all things spiritual. Happy are they who in searching the Bible to understand it, discover their Savior. Can you say amen? There's something to diligently... I can remember, I'm still desperate. I'm desperate for God. I'm desperate for God to help me, to speak to me, to transform me, to shape me, to use me. I need His wisdom. I need His power. I need His help. I I need His Word and His Spirit to keep me from temptation and from sin. I need freedom in certain ways of my thinking. I need God's Word. I'm desperate. When you're desperate for something you'll get there. When you're desperate for someone, you'll get there. You'll make it. I'm up early. I've always been an early riser. If you're not an early riser, that's okay. But I can remember when I first got saved, I'm up early. It's dark and Yolanda's still asleep. Everybody's asleep. I'm up early. Four o'clock, five o'clock. I'm searching the scriptures. I'm seeking God. God, I need your help. God, speak to me. There's bondage in my life. I'm addicted I messed up. I need transformation. I need your power. Hide your word in my heart. Keep me from sin. Show me who you really say I am. Help me to live according to your word. Your word brings life. Your word brings power. I'm desperate for his word. Come on. Anybody desperate for his word? Don't be one of those Christians. Oh, I've been there. I've done that. I know. I know. Promise you. Promise you. Jesus is waiting for you every morning wanting to speak life, speak hope, fresh wind, fresh power, fresh anointing, wisdom for your kids, wisdom on how to break through, wisdom on how to stay free of smoking. Amen? Three weeks, no smoking, Judy. Praise the Lord. That's a miracle. He wants to set you free, men, from pornography. If you're stuck with pornography and you, as much as you try, you try, you try. Listen, I know what you're talking about. I've been there. You try, you try, you try, and the enemy keeps pulling you back, pulling you back, pulling you back. You need a supernatural breakthrough, and it comes through seeking God and the Spirit through His Word. It's the only way it comes. Diligently seek to understand the Word. Here's the third action step. I will purposefully apply the Word of God to my life. Come on, say it with me, church. I will purposefully apply the Word of God to my life. Look at Nehemiah 8.12. And John, you can come up now. We're going to get ready to lean towards some more worship. Nehemiah 8.12, this is what it says. So the people went away to eat and drink at a festive meal to share gifts of food. I love that part. Amen. Anybody like that part? Sounds fun. And to celebrate with great joy because they had heard God's words and understood them. The entrance of your word gives light. Hallelujah. The entrance of God's word gives light. The darkness, the confusion, ambiguity, the hesitations, the question marks. Man, that just, that just dissipates in the light of the Word of God when it comes into your heart and in your spirit. This is what we need, friend. Those of you that are searching for a man or searching for a woman or searching for a right car or a right house or whatever it is you think that's going to set you up, listen, nothing is going to satisfy you like the Word of God. As the deer pants for The water brook, so my soul pants for you. Now that they understand, all these people, they can apply the words of God to the everyday living. This is exactly what God told Joshua to do when he was taking over for Moses. Joshua chapter 1. Verse 8. It's not on the screen. I don't think it's going to be in your notes. I don't remember. Listen. Joshua's going to step in for Moses now. He's got to lead all of God's people into the promised land. One problem. Enemies in the promised land. I'm speaking prophetically right now to you. In other words, God's speaking through me very pointedly right now for you. There is a promised land. There are promises that have yet to come to pass in your life. But God's promised them. He wants them to come to pass for you. But there are enemies in the land. And just like he instructed Joshua, I believe he's instructing us. This is what he told him. He said, Joshua, don't, don't worry about your arrows right now. Don't worry about the bows and the swords and the spears and the shield. Don't worry. Not right now, Joshua. This is what I need you to do. Listen, Joshua eight. This book of the law, my word, shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate in it day and night. So that you may observe, so you can see, you can observe, to do according to all that is written in it. For then, Joshua, after you do that, you'll make your way prosperous, and then, Joshua, you'll have good success. There's a difference between good success and the success of the world. God wants you to have good success. The word meditates, that's the same word that David wrote in Psalm 1. You know it? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his and her delight is in the law of the Lord, the Word. And in His law, He meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth His fruit in His season whose leaf shall not wither. And whatever he does, whatever she does, will prosper. Meditates. The word meditates is the Hebrew word haggah, H-A-G-A-H. And it means to quietly repeat the words of God over and over to yourself and over your life and over your kids and over your family over your business, over your house. You're meditating on the Word. You're speaking God's promises over you. And as you're doing that, supernaturally, the Holy Spirit, He's painting pictures of the victory that already belongs to you as you begin to step into what God has for you. That's exactly what God told Joshua to do. And when you read the story, you see that Joshua did it. And he caused people to receive God's promise. I will give myself freshly and fully to the word of God. That's for us. I will diligently seek to understand the Word of God. I will purposefully apply the Word of God to my life, to my life. You have your microphone? Grab that microphone. I'm telling you, friends, wherever you're at and you're reading the Word and the Bible... If you'll begin to lean in to another level, God is promising that he's going to do something fresh and new in you and through you as we step into 2024. Joni has something of encouragement she wants to share with you.
0: As I was um, listening to pastor and just praying, the Holy Spirit just started speaking to me and confirming what he, was, what he was speaking, and the presence of God is here. The presence of God is here, but I believe that God really wants to speak this to someone, and maybe all of us, that when we open the word and read it, we begin to believe God for who he is, that's written in the word, not our perceptions of what we've been told, not the things of him that we've thought, not maybe false training that we've had, but to see God for who he is because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as we read, yesterday he parted the Red Sea When it looked impossible, God was leading the people to cross over. But they came to the place of impossibility. God was leading them. He led them to this place. But doubt, we can allow doubt on what we see to stop us. But we have to remember he is the same God that provides supernaturally, not what we see. He parted that Red Sea. He's still making the impossible
1: possible. Amen. Amen. So good. That's a good reminder. Don't allow, you know, one of the things that I do when I open up the word, one of my prayers is, Father, I just come against anything and everything that would try to distract and pull away from the power of your word speaking into my life. And I'm very conscious of that because the enemy wants to get you off the word. Listen, we're going to transition. We're still in worship. We're still in service. The main part of the message is over, but we're going to transition into two more worship songs. But I want these worship songs to be an opportunity to respond in a fresh new way to what you heard this morning through this message. And I also want to allow these worship songs to be an opportunity. Give us some time to receive some ministry. What, What do I mean? Well, I'm reminded of Acts chapter 10, verse 38. They were talking about Jesus' life when he was on the earth, because in Acts chapter 10, he's gone already. This is what it says God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with a Holy Spirit and power. And then Jesus went about doing good and healing. Everyone who was oppressed and harassed by the devil. That's what it says in Acts chapter 10 about the ministry of Jesus. And recently, God the Father has been saying, Son, I need for you to begin to cultivate a culture in the church where people are opening their lives and their hearts in faith to the same ministry that Jesus provided when He walked the earth through the power of the Holy Spirit today. He wants for us to do that. Why is that important? It's important because the Bible says that we receive today the same way people received back then from Jesus. And that's by faith. The woman with the issue of blood, she said to herself, if I could just touch His Him." I'll be made whole. And then we know the story. Jesus would go up to blind people, and he would say, what do you want me to do for you? What an odd question to ask someone who's blind. But Jesus needed for them to give a response of faith. Oh, that I would have my sight. Right? Over and over we see in the scriptures, the ministry of Jesus Through his love and through his favor and his compassion was available for anyone who recognized that Jesus is the healer and that Jesus could bring freedom and breakthrough and miracles. Are we any different today? Is there not anybody who needs a breakthrough or a miracle or a healing? The Bible says that God is our healer. And so we're gonna sing a song or two. And if you need healing, if you need a breakthrough, if you need God to do something in and through you that you just can't do it. You've tried, you've tried, you tried. You keep coming up against the wall, but you need to break through. Let's pray for that. If you have a bad doctor's report, oh the Bible says that when they heard Jesus was in the house. The place was full and they brought everyone to Jesus who was sick. They brought him on stretchers. One group of guys brought him and they couldn't get into the front door and they went on the roof of the house and they started peeling back the tiles of the house and they dropped their friend right down on the stretcher in front of Jesus, desperate. And the Bible says, Jesus saw their faith. Don't even know if they said anything. They just got there. And that was an expression of their faith in Jesus and his ability to heal that man, their friend. And he did. Not only was he healed physically, but the Bible says that he was forgiven for all of his sins. Come on. Lord, we open up our hearts right now. And we thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're so desperate for you. We're desperate for you to give us a new hunger. A new level of thirst for the things of God. A new level of hunger for the Word of God. Father, we're desperate for our families, our children, our loved ones to know Jesus. Father, we need healing. We need restoration. We need breakthrough. We thank you that the word says that you're the great physician and there's nothing impossible for you. So we invite the Holy Spirit this morning to minister healing and miracles and breakthrough and restoration to our hearts and our lives and our bodies. We turn this time over to you these last few minutes, Lord, as we sing songs of worship. Have your way. We love you and we honor you.